Lord God, wake us up to a worship for you now this fall. In the midst of all this struggle, may our worship not stop. And all of God's people said, hey, Summit Point, it is great to be here with you today online. Man, we are here to worship Jesus Christ and continue to make much of him. This is our second week online again here. You know, last week we went online. Man, God just did a huge thing there. We had almost 3,000 people online joining us. And may God get all the glory as we rally together, no matter how weird it's getting out there. As we get together, may it be all about him. Ready? And all of God's people said, amen, man. Well, we're going to continue in a series here. We're just continuing in the series, Light the Fire. We're going after what it means to be a church on fire, to have our own heart on fire, to have our family on fire, to have this collective church family on fire for Jesus Christ. We're walking through the book of 1 Timothy. We're just going passage by passage, phrase by phrase through that and seeing what God has to say about what it looks like to be ready to rock for him, no matter what we face, right? So as we dive in today, we're jumping into 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy 5, starting on verse 17, and you know, we've talked about the members of the church, and we've talked a little bit about the ministry of the church. Here he's continuing with the ministry, and he's talking about what it looks like to be going after uh, worshiping our God with our holiness, to be worshiping our God with our leadership, and how we can honor those leaders. And so the title for today is just caring for our elders, caring for our leaders, caring for those in charge as pastors and uh, really the ruling elders, those deciding elders on the board. So here we go as we jump into 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Point number one is honor elders appropriately, both in appreciation and accountability. Those are two really important A words, both in appreciation and accountability. He says honor elders along the way. So we'll just kind of dig into the passage here and learn a little bit of what Paul has to say to Timothy about a church on fire and really tie it into some of what we're dealing with, even right now in our church. He says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. Let the elders who rule well. You know, specifically it's meaning those who are leading well, those who are deciding well. There's a ruling board. We have six guys on our elder board. You know that. We talked about that a handful of weeks ago. And, and uh, we make decisions about where we as a church are going and try to make sense out of what God is calling us to. For those who make good decisions on doctrine, on discipline, and on direction, May God truly be honored with that and may we honor God by taking care of those elders with some appreciation, with some care along the way. And it says here even, may they be considered worthy of double honor. Now that doesn't mean may they be paid twice as much as somebody else. It doesn't mean that. It's not a literal thing. But it does mean make sure you're heaping on, make sure you're bringing some real tangible appreciation both with the encouragement that comes in and for those who are even doing something more than that, he says here, especially those who labor in the preaching and teaching. He's like, man, for those elders, for those pastors, remember those two words are interchangeable, elder and pastor, both very similar responsibilities and tied into 1 Timothy chapter 3 there with those responsibilities. The pastor who goes after the teaching and the preaching and the sharing of God's word as he digs in each week or when he has the privilege of being able to share to make that his thing 
to be able to spend the time knowing who God is, knowing what his word says, being on fire for Jesus Christ and bringing it in a way where the church can respond and resonate to God's word. Man, may we make sure that the pastors who are leading and shepherding, the pastors who are preaching and teaching, may they be cared for. One thing for sure, this church knows how to care. So appreciate all the encouragement and the care that comes out to our pastoral staff, out to our elders who make the decisions on a weekly or monthly basis. You guys just do such a great job with that. And man, our elders make sure that the pastoral staff is covered. And there is a wise financial covering in that regard. He's really saying, make sure that the guys who are bringing it regularly and daily, the 50, 60, 70 hour a week pastor, make sure he doesn't have to go and do the bivocational work Make sure he's not having to tie it in in some other way. Now, there's times where a church has to do that. So be it. But you know, this is really that verse you'd want to go to if you were trying to figure out, is it really biblical to have a paid staff? I mean, this is exactly what he's talking about. To encourage well, to cover financially well. And uh, yeah, we do that here. We make sure that our staff is covered along the way. In fact, not just financially, but even with the health benefits, making sure we have killer insurance to protect in the midst of all that we're facing and all that we're going through. Yes, our elder board makes sure of that down into the pastoral staff. Yes, you as a church giving faithfully are covering in well, and we are wisely covering. Again, I'll just say it this way. It's not so that a pastor could become rich. It's not two times as much as, it's not that. It's not trying to become rich, but it is caring for the needs and loving along the way. Be wise in considering a double honor towards them. That's all he's saying. It's a huge deal. He says, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Ah, yes. So true, right? You might be like, dude, I don't even know what that means. What is he talking about? This is what he was doing. The ox treading out the grain. They used to have this big circle that would grind the grain. And in fact, there would be a post that would be sticking out from it. And he would connect the ox to that post. And they would walk around in a circle and it would turn this big circle and it would churn and it would grind. And the grain would get chopped up, threshing the grain. And the ox was doing all the work. He's like, don't muzzle the ox while he's doing all the work. Let him be able to look down, reach down, eat and feed. Make sure the one doing all the work is actually getting cared for and fed physically. That's all he was saying. In fact, this was actually a dead quote from Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4. They're like, make sure you're taking care of the animals that are doing the hard work. And then he's like, hey, let's apply that same thing into the pastoral staff. Make sure that those who are pouring it on through the shepherding, the caring, the ruling, the leading, the teaching, Make sure that they're not muzzled. Make sure they're being cared for carefully, physically, and encouragingly along the way. And uh, it's more like saying, uh, reward and support what you value. Reward and support what you value. And he goes on and gives another verse here. He says, the laborer deserves his wages. Now, some of your passages may even have that in red. Like this is what Jesus was saying, right? Just so you remember the the red letter portion, that's not something that was inspired, but later on recognizing that Jesus was saying it, those who were interpreting it ended up putting it in red letters. And Jesus actually said this exact quote in Luke chapter 10, verse seven. He said, the laborer deserves his wages. 
Men, when the hard work is given, properly reward. When the hard work is given, properly reward. There needs to be some focus on those who are volunteering, yes, and give appreciation and thanks for those who serve in, even if it's the 15-minute, half hour, an hour on a Sunday, giving of their time and pouring it in. Appreciate the volunteers. And then there's some volunteers who are crushing it, like our board-serving elders that are the lay guys. They're serving maybe as many as 5, 10, 15 hours in a week, just pouring it on for this church to be on fire for Jesus Christ. And they're not being paid financially, but honored and respected and appreciated by you guys. And you do such a great job of that. And, and then even one step beyond that, we've got the full-time people that are working the 50, 60, 70 hours a week grinding it out and even covering there the financial needs because there's no way they could do that and then try to go and work and bring in something for their family. And so provide in a way so that they are cared for along the way. May we respect and appreciate the staff and may we expect, respect and appreciate the elders. And uh, You know, I'll just say, this is maybe a good moment to just give a little bit of a shout out. We've got some transitions going on right now uh, on our staff. We've got Pastor Kent coming off. And as Pastor Kent is coming off, he has uh, spoken out that he wants to be uh, retiring, coming up here at year end. And uh, some of that really starting to take place even this past week as we kind of getting some of those details in place. And so just beginning to work some of those details out for December as Pastor Kent gets ready to be stepping out towards the middle to end of December here. And uh, so appreciate their family. Just a huge shout out to Kent. We've said that before. And, you know, I just want to say this breaks my heart. You know, we were going to have a uh, kind of a big celebrate at the early part of December, just allow so many of you as a church body to be able to uh, kind of give a congratulations to Kent and a welcome him into retirement on that, maybe doing something out here in the lobby or something. And, you know, right now with all that's going on with COVID, I think we're going to put a little bit of a hold on that. And I'm just telling you, I don't want to lose sight of that. It's super important that we honor all that they've been through, all that they've done, and all that God has done through them. We so appreciate Kent and Becky. And so we're looking right now at hopefully somewhere in early January, maybe we can get after that. But right now it seems like maybe not the best time to try to be cramming that together. And so just a little shout out, a little appreciation and encouragement and a saying thanks to Kent and, and letting you know a little bit of what we're thinking there. And, and just so you know, some of the changes that have gone on because of that, that means the facilities have gone over. Pastor Mike is helping manage those now. All the facility details are under Pastor Mike and all the HR and finance is under Pastor Steve McGinnis. And, and so we've kind of fanned a little bit of that out. And then the congregational care, the other part of what Kent was doing, congregational care, we've actually hired somebody in for. And so uh, Pastor Glenn Knight is now joining us on staff just this past week, been able to come on staff with us. He's been actually attending the church here and working in the community uh, at large for probably the last year almost, but uh, been a pastor for a long number of years before that. And so we just welcome Glenn in. He just loves being able to do congregational care and shepherding along the way. And so Glenn's stepping in to do some of that congregational care and assimilation piece while the facilities and the finance and all that being managed by Mike and Steve. So uh, just kind of spreading things out there. And again, a little shout out and just appreciate to some names and some changes going on there. I want to say it says next, do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Let's say it this way. It's a war. 
this church and bringing a church together that worships Jesus Christ, man, it is a spiritual battleground and there is going to be attack and a lot of it may be cheap shot. And he's like, be careful. Make sure there's two or three witnesses. Make sure it's not just somebody making something up about an elder or a pastor. Two or three witnesses when you're sitting down with somebody that's elder or pastor level as a leader level to be able to say, hey, this hurt and this needs to be looked at and I'd really like to talk this through a little bit. Man, there's nothing wrong with sitting down and saying ouch to something and walking through a conversation. There isn't. And we're great to hear that. And we as pastors and elders, we have to be humble in that, in hearing how to work with and care for others. But please hear me. False accusation cannot be tolerated. It'll tear the church down. And one of the big ways to stand against that, two or three witnesses. And uh, he'll even bring up a great statement to the two or three witnesses in just a second here. I'll say it this way. Man, nobody's perfect. And there's always a chance for an elder or pastor to be making a mistake and to be able to say, hey, I'm sorry that that either came off that way or I'm sorry that I went that route I shouldn't have. Please forgive me. And it's not wrong for us to be humbly working through relationship. Absolutely, yes, that. But please hear me. We gotta be careful that it's not cheap shot attack and trying to just make people be perfect. Scripture's really clear. All of us have sinned to be working on. And so the real challenge is, is their repentance, is their willingness to turn and hear the sin and say, I'm sorry in the midst. He says, as for those who persist in sin, like if there is two or three witnesses, if there's legit complaint coming on, if people really are hurt along the way and they won't hear it and they're not gonna get good with it and they're not gonna turn from their sin. If they persist in it, there's no turning from or seeing the responsibility of it. Well, then make it clear, God's got issue with that. He says, rebuke them in the presence of all. Rebuke them in the presence of all. Man, he doesn't mess around. God is asking Paul, get it clear here. Matthew chapter 18 talks about this, verses 15 to 18, how to confront someone in sin. And it says, go to them one-on-one -on -one and just talk to them and let them know the hurt. And, and if they do turn, awesome, you've won them. And if they don't, then bring the two or three witnesses. That's exactly what he was talking about in this passage. Make sure there's two or three witnesses sitting down to some accusation. And if they're turning from that, that's awesome, great. You've won a soul. But if not, then bringing it before the church body. And man, that's nothing to mess with. In fact, that's a huge deal. And uh, the entire time that I've been in this church, we, praise God, haven't had anything like that. We've got a humility in our eldership, humility on our pastorship, and we haven't had to do that. But, you know, this church in the first two years, there were some tough moments. And some tough moments that this elder board that's currently still serving had to take a stand on. And, and the senior pastor had to face a few things and be able to look uh, really at his God and at scripture and respond to some things. There were some tough challenges that came down. You may not even know that's in the history of this church, but in 2007 and eight, dealing with some of that. And praise God for the elders that take the stand and stand for this word. May God get all the glory. Man, we are not above reproach and being able to turn around and say, I'm just gonna do what I want and I don't care what you say. And Man, we've got to care for people and we've got to be considerate of people and we must always know there's a time where we might need to say, I'm sorry. And uh, absolutely take that for real. It's a big deal and it needs to be brought out before the body uh, if it's not happening. Ready? And all of God's people said, 
Yeah, dude, not even near loud enough where you're at. And all of God's people said, we lead it by modeling and we will lead it with humility. May God get all the glory. And we've got to be willing to hear of hurts and be able to turn from our sin along the way if there is any. And praise God, there just hasn't been that level of struggle uh, anytime recently. He says, so that the rest may stand in fear. Literally, so that they're like, whoa, this church takes the word of God seriously. Yes, whoa, this church takes leadership seriously. Yes, it's a huge deal for us to stand before our God and claim a leadership position and to be able to work together as a church. May God get all the glory. He says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Just so you know there, he just listed three witnesses. He's like, by the way, Timothy, I'm holding you accountable to God, Christ Jesus, and all of the elect angels. There's this divine council of three witnesses that you are now standing before. And make sure that you take your stand rightly without prejudging and without partiality. Don't decide who you like and then just kind of give a little bit of favoritism towards them. Don't give a pass on some sin because they happen to be closer to you in some way or because maybe they'll cause more stir for you in some way. And, and make sure you take a stand with God in his holiness. This is a huge call for Timothy in that early church as a young guy being a pastor, for the church in general to take seriously sin along the way. You know, simply this passage, loaded, full, and it's simply saying this, man, may we absolutely appreciate those who are crushing it for God, and for those who aren't, may we take it seriously, come alongside lovingly and gently, but calling them to something that has to change. May God get all the glory. And just so we're clear, that's a call to all of us. May we all recognize that we need to get our sin right before our God. That's what he's calling us to. That said, I want to say this, just a quick shout out. I so appreciate our elders, and I so appreciate working with our elders. Their passion for Jesus Christ, their love for God to get all the glory, passion to be able to stand in the gap for this church, that we might be a beacon on a hill, that Jesus Christ might get all the celebration and the glory. Man, you got to know, this elder board lays it on the line regularly in a huge way. Man, we've got a deep pastoral bench. We've got a killer bench both on the worship production teams and in our preaching, teaching teams, in our shepherding and counseling teams. Man, I'm telling you, we've got a group of pastors and elders that are just crushing it for Jesus Christ. And I love being a part of ministry with them. You know, from the beginning, it's been a commitment of this elders to be after a strong stewardship, always for God to get the glory. And you know, you guys faithfully, as you've been a part of this church, giving in, whether it be through your volunteer time, through your attendance, your passionate worship, giving in your faithful giving back and your first fruits, just a constant give into this church. May God truly be celebrated. And as you've done that, I want you to know the elders know the whole time and prayerfully appreciate and thank along the way all that God is providing in. And anytime we had a budget that was met and then exceeded, we were very careful with what we did with that money. In fact, every year we would always set the budget just a little below last year's income, just a little below, 
and not expecting it to even continue, just saying, God, just a little below that, and we're seeing where you continue. And if God so continues up, then the next year we would move it up some, but we're always making sure we're slowly reacting to what God is showing us is happening in the body. And that way, if something does pull back, then we're not sitting there kind of stuck. And uh, that's worked out really well in our favor this year as we kind of were just a little bit above where things were in the past, but we had some headroom and that headroom kind of got eaten up with some of the COVID things going on. You guys still giving faithfully along the way and it's been amazing. While there has been somewhat of a dip a little bit in the giving, we've been able to faithfully make some adjustments in our spends each week and our budgeting there and being wise to that. And I want you to know, as we've been able to do that and pull back a little bit on the expenditures and just being wise to things, little things you may not know about, like changing a phone system so that it's cheaper now, or being able to change our data network stuff so that we can get out with i3 broadband now cheaper and better so we can do this live stream. Things that affect some of the impact and affect some of the bottom line, but you wouldn't know or see that necessarily. And then some of our ministries we had to pull back on this year as well. You know that. And the budget's just kind of coming down a little by not being able to do some of that. Here's what we did do though. Even though the monies were still rolling in, even at almost what we needed, we just continued to roll excess aside whenever it was there. And there was some, even during COVID, there was some excess. Praise God for that and praise God for your giving. And so we faithfully continued to put that down. And I want you to hear me on this. Over the last number of years, we've been putting that down on the mortgage whenever we had excess, usually once, maybe even twice a year. And this time, we were able to put some money down in November on the mortgage. It's a really big deal. Time for you to hear me on this. You ready? Got to be listening up. This is a massive announcement. Ready? Big announce. As of November, we were able to take the mortgage to zero. The mortgage is now officially paid off. Amen, man. We are debt free at this point. Praise God for that. And I just want to throw a slide up here. This is an image that we've got up. This is a slide on the left. We got the back in 2010 when we rallied some of our, about a couple hundred of our leaders together. Back when we were a church of about seven, eight hundred, something in there. And we, a couple hundred people rallied together on the spot that would future be this church. And we were praying for this and on the right-hand side, you see in 2020, they're just a packed house, church on fire, debt-free, God getting the glory. Man, I'm telling you, that is your faithful giving. That is you providing into this church and God doing an amazing thing and your elders on top of it being super wise and super good stewardship to be able to put the money aside as it was coming in and pay down. And so praise God, we are in a debt-free spot. And I want you to hear me, that's going to definitely reduce a little bit of what we would need to have on a weekly basis. Love that. And what we would love to see now is the ability to turn some of what went to mortgage, 1M, into missions and ministry on the other M. And start to put some of that money out into a little more church planting and maybe even a little bit more international stuff that we have going on in Haiti. Maybe even some local here. So I want you to know that we're actually going to be launching a church planting organization. And uh, this summit planting organization, summit planting initiative is what we're going to call it. And we are doing the Haiti initiative planting and that. And maybe there's going to be some even around here. We'll see what God so does. And we'll be putting a little bit of money into that and keeping that going and fired up for it. We're also very fired up to be doing some local ministry here and 
We've partnered with like Southside Christian Academy here local on the south side and so many needs going on in that school and just a number of people really hurting from the south side of Peoria and, and uh, just a lot of um, black American families there hurting. And so we're, we're pouring into that in a number of different ways. And you know we do that with the backpacks and those kinds of things, snack packs, but we're doing it more than that. We've actually aligned our administrative help into that now and so um, one of our administrative assistants is actually working for them about 15, 20 hours a week, sometimes as much as, sometimes as small as five, but helping out there, just being able to facilitate them on our dime, we're covering those needs for them. And so yes, we're trying to pour into missions locally here in different ways. Maybe more planting, maybe more church planting. May God get all the glory. And we are also being able to see some of that need drop because of good stewardship. Praise God for that. Man, we have a God who is so worth worshiping. And all of God's people said, and then this is a church on fire because of you and because of your give. And all of God's people said. And so simply, and how are you doing at being able to pray for your elders and appreciate your elders? And that even in a year of COVID and a train wreck like we've had going on, that we've been able to take the debt to zero. And just continue to pray that God would be glorified by this church on fire. Okay? And point number two, with great discernment and patience, add to the elder numbers as there is need. With great discernment and patience, add to the elder numbers as there is need. That's point number two. And it says here, uh, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. Like, man, make sure that you don't put people into leadership positions without knowing much about them. If you go back to 1 Timothy 3 and it talks about eldership, he's like, make sure that you're not putting people in place that are newly saved. Make sure you know how they're handling their families. Make sure you know how they work within the community and whether there's a respect there in the broader community and and make sure you understand their faithfulness in general and broadly. But more than that, there's some things that we put in place to kind of live this out. How do we make sure we're not laying hands on too hastily when it comes to eldership? And uh, we look for our elders to be small group leaders already. We want them to already be able to care for a number of people in the body that their group is thriving, that they're caring for. We want them not only to be small group leaders, but people that are caring for very heavy struggles and problems. They're able to come alongside maybe those who have lost loved ones and hurt with them. Or they're able to come alongside those who have um, maybe struggled with some deep sinful struggle, either themselves or their family member, and helping them through that. And these are big deals that they're strong shepherds, both in the small group and in the pains of this world. And more than that, that they're willing to take a foot of the table seat and be called up in due time, patience along the way, but along the way, they are willing to take bigger and bigger loads. And we're looking for all of that. Patience, watching God be glorified, may he reveal as we look for those kinds of pieces of information. It says, don't be hasty. Then it says, uh, nor take part in the sins of others. Seems like a weird combination to put those two together. Like, don't lay hands on fast and don't go sin. Like, it seems like a weird combination, right? And I think this is what he's really saying. You know, when you grab somebody who's not ready for leadership and you put them up into high leadership fast, you're helping their pride blow up. You're taking part in their sin. When you get them into a spot where they're not ready, 
you're collapsing them before the whole body. Love them more than that. Be careful with that. Huge deal. He's like, man, be careful when you're dealing with somebody else and the heartaches they've got going on. You know, Scripture says it's actually to your credit to be able to overlook an offense, right? That's in Proverbs, to be able to overlook an offense, but at the same time, not to overlook something that's harmful or habitual. So being able to address sin that's harmful and habitual, but being able to recognize when there's a one-off mistake or a small offense and being able to look past it and all that together, right? Making sure we're wise about sin. He says, keep yourself pure. May your words, may your thoughts, may your actions, may your trust in your God keep you on the pure walk with your king. And make sure that you're putting yourself in the right spot. And I'll just say it this way. This isn't just for eldership. And this is for our whole body. This is for each of us here listening online. May we go after a pure walk. Lord, may my walk today honor and glorify you. Lord, may my prayer time, may my time in the word, may my avoidance of the very sins I know I need to stay away from, may I do what I need to do to put you first. And how are you doing with that? With walking in a pure way, celebrating the mercy of God and the privilege of God that he's made available for salvation for us. And then he gives a very practical moment for Timothy. He says, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and for your frequent ailments. Uh, No longer drink only water, Timothy. He's like, Timothy, dude, The water table is horrible where you're at in Ephesus. Dude, you got to start drinking something else to kill that bug. And one of the medicinal things that they had going at the time was wine. Drink a little wine. It will kill the bug in your system. And if you've ever traveled to a foreign country that has bad water table, you know what Paul's talking about here, right? And I know when we go down to Haiti, man, you got to be careful what you drink down there. You got to be careful what you touch down there. And being able to make sure you've gotten a hold of good water. I almost never drink any water when we're down there except the bottled water. I can break the cap on and know where it came from. And uh, often when we're down there, I kind of live on like some protein bars and 7-Up that's been bottled. So you're popping the top off and you wipe the top clean with a clean rag and then you're actually drinking just the 7-Up. I think if this were written in the modern 2000s, you'd be like, Timothy, Man, drink something like a little bit of wine or Pepto-Bismol or get some 7-Up and drink a lot of that. Do something that'll kill those bugs and don't just be sick all the time. I know you're trying to avoid some things that'll drag people down like alcohol, but let's be really clear. Scripture says, thou shalt not drink. It doesn't say that. It says, don't be drunk with wine. And so here he even says to Timothy, dude, please have a little. You're sick a lot. Be careful with that. Take care of yourself along the way. And a super practical moment there, and uh, I think it'd be fair to translate this across to have a lot of seven up when you're in foreign countries and terrible third world water tables, right? And uh, he says, the sins of some people are conspicuous going before them to judgment, like they're on full display. They're being shown in full broad daylight. They're there for everybody else to see. The sins of this world are celebrated. 
And I'm just telling you, the world is trying to get us to celebrate them with them. In fact, right now what's going on is if you don't celebrate the sin the way they want it celebrated, they will try to shame you out in public. That's what's going on right now. Shame people into being quiet about what is sin. We can't do that. You got to take a stand. You got to stand with God and his word. You've got to be ready for you to take a hit, for this church to take a hit. We will not move. God's word and what he says is right and wrong, that's where we stand. You know, my wife is working out in the basement now, uh, doing a lot of workouts there because there's, you know, really not trying to get to the gym at this moment. And uh, so she's using some of those beach body videos to be able to work out. And one of the guys she's using is heavy weightlifter guy. And his whole thing is, um, man, swear with me while we work out. Now, the dude's just ripped. He's absolutely huge. He looks stud. He knows what he's doing with the weights. They actually made a censored version, so you don't have to listen to him swear. But he's keep saying, like, swear with me. Come on. And John, every time I hear her, she's like, no, I'm not doing it. She's speaking out loud while she's working out. And, man, I'm telling you, the world wants you to come along in the smallest of sins, in the largest of sins. They are conspicuous. They show up, and it's obvious. The world's trying to call you down. Don't go there. And uh, he says, but the sins of others appear later. The sins of others appear, some sins are super obvious and some sins are just kind of under the surface and they come along over time. I'll just say this is kind of a Steve Belzerism. Uh, one of our elders, Steve Belzer, he has said a number of times, truth in time, truth in time. And that has helped us make a lot of decisions along the way where when you're getting falsely accused or falsely attacked, you just have to let truth go hand in hand with time. And over the long haul, it will show itself who is standing with their God and who is not. And when someone is sinning, I'm telling you, it will ultimately come out. He says, so also good works are conspicuous. Like standing for your God, doing good things, those are going to be shown in broad daylight. It'll be really obvious that you worship Jesus Christ. You'll be a beacon on a hill. You'll be a light in a dark world. Your God will be shown off. And then he uses kind of a double negative to close it. He says, even those that are not cannot remain hidden. Even those that are not, like instead of the good works, it's the bad works, cannot remain hidden. Bad works, you can't hide them, man. They're coming out. They're going to show sooner or later. If you think you can hide it with a little bit of a lie, it's not going to happen. It's going to come out. And don't try to lie your way through something. Don't try to hide it, shape it, sweep it under the rug. Deal with it. Get it done. Just humbly confess. None of us is perfect. We all need to get things right. Repentance along the way. Get it clean. I'm just going to use one last illustrate. I hate to say this, but here's the illustrate. Ready? Here we go. Sin is like... COVID. It is, man. Sin is like COVID. Like in the beginning, you may even have it and you don't know you got it. And it's even contagious then and it comes across to others. It starts affecting them and dragging them down. And then after a while, you do recognize you got it. You start feeling a little bad. It's tearing you down. And then after a while, it's just train wreck city and collapse out. Sin is a lot like COVID. It may be really obvious. It may be hidden, but trust me, it's coming out. Watch out. He's like, don't toy around. Let's put it this way. Mercy. Our God brings mercy. Hope. Healing. Forgiveness. Man, may we live a pure life and where we don't, may we get on our knees in humility and say, Lord God, it's all about you. Ready? And all of God's people said, Amen, man.
my life for his merciful hand. May he get all the glory. May this church be on fire in our leadership. May this church be on fire in our continuing encouragement. May we be on fire in our give. May we be on fire as we now move from a mortgage that is paid off to ministry that we're heading into and making sense out of that as we also get to take advantage of a little less uh, weekly need along the way. May God get all the glory. May we be a church on fire as we hand ourselves to the merciful King. Let's pray.